Father, as we are gathered together, we ask that your word will come very clearly to our hearts. We ask that you will give us the bread for this season. As your servants, we are open to you and we want to receive from you. Please speak to us ever so clearly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you are with me, would you please say an amen or type an amen just to make sure that you are with me in this meeting. Today, we are looking at the spiritual disciplines for the last days, part three. Uh, I will ask that you please interact with me, those of you who are able to do so via the chat, so that via the chat, I can know that I am communicating effectively with you. Spiritual disciplines for the last days. This is the third part in a series and we have already had part one and we have had part two. Now, just as a summary for those who may not have been there, we said that spiritual disciplines are like the hidden aspects where a mountain is built on the surface. You see the surface of a really huge mountain, but beneath the huge mountain is a substructure that many people do not see. We say that beneath is the strength that carries the mountain. And we say spiritual disciplines are like that hidden aspects of our lives that many people do not naturally easily see, yet they carry what is above. They carry our ministries. They carry our activities. They carry our actions. And so we want to say that the spiritual disciplines are actually the most critical aspect of the spiritual life. Even though they are hidden beneath, yet they are the ones that carry everything else we do. We also said that the spiritual disciplines require effort because they are, they are formations, deep formations within. And so the spiritual disciplines are hidden, but they require great effort. They require great effort. In fact, without this internal formation, whatever we do outside cannot stand the test of time. And that's why we say the spiritual disciplines are critical 
the spiritual disciplines are critical. And we looked at several of them. Uh, we looked at number one in spiritual disciplines, part one. For those of you who attended, we looked at the acronym SOFT, S-O-F-T. I am repeating this just for the sake of those who were not present. SOFT, uh, referring to study, obey, fast and pray and testify. For the discipline of study, we said that there are five things that are important in a life of disciplined study. We said that it must be systematic, it must be focused, it must be prayerful, it must be time-bound, and it must be private. These were the things we mentioned about the disciplines of study. Second discipline was radical obedience, O for obedience. And we quoted John Climacus. He says, obedience is the burial of the will and the resurrection of humility. Obedience is the burial of the will and the resurrection of humility. Number three, we said fasting, and we said fasting needs to come together with prayer. And we said that what do we expect when we fast? Five things. We said we hear God clearer. We said there's spiritual upliftment. We said there's freedom from chains. We said there are divine visitations. And of course, there will be spiritual oppositions as well. T, for testify. We said that in testify, we're not talking of preaching, but we're talking of sharing your stories. We quoted Brené Brown. He said, tell your story with your whole heart. When you testify, you tell your story with your whole heart. You don't tell it in small bits. You tell it with your whole heart. These were the things we learned in spiritual disciplines part one. In spiritual disciplines part two, we had another acronym. We called it SMART, S-M-A-R-T. S stands for simplicity, M stands for meditation, A for aloneness, R for restraint, and T for truthfulness. For simplicity, we mention how we live in an increasingly complex world, and we are being bombarded everywhere by so much information, so much demand, so much complication everywhere. And we said that nothing is more difficult in these days than simplicity. We quoted Andre Doreen, simplicity is becoming a lost art. 
we moved on to the next discipline, which was meditation. And in meditation, we said, quoting Harold Bailey, that you can come closer to the Lord than you can imagine when you learn to meditate, when you learn to quiet your inner being and you focus on the Lord. We, however, separated meditation, the Eastern meditation from Christian meditation. Richard Foster, who is my mentor in the area of the spiritual disciplines, and I encourage everyone to look for his books, Richard Foster, Richard J. Foster. But he says, Eastern meditation is an attempt to empty the mind. Christian meditation is an attempt to feel the mind. The two ideas are quite different. And so we looked at the issue of meditation as a discipline where we need to find time to focus on the Lord and focus our hearts and our minds away from all the things that surround us. And this led to the next discipline, which is the discipline of aloneness. Aloneness. Quoting another spiritual giant from the past, Oswald Chambers. I'm sure many of us know Oswald Chambers. Oswald Chambers said, solitude with God repairs the damage done by the fret and the noise and the clamor of the world. Solitude with God repairs the damage done by the fret and the noise and the clamor of the world. You see, what is happening is that our inner life is being damaged by all these worldly pursuits our inner life is being damaged by all the fretting and all the worrying. But solitude is a place when you are alone with God and your soul is recalibrated. Your soul is resynced. You cut off all the noise and the clutter and you sink your soul with the Lord again. Don't confuse solitude with aloneness or with loneliness. One builds and the other destroys. For solitude, it builds, it renews, it refreshes. But for loneliness, it destroys and can actually become suicidal. The next discipline we looked at at the uh, spiritual disciplines part two is restraint. This is just a review, brothers and sisters. We have not started today's discipline. Restraint, we talked about self-restraint. Ambrose Beer says self-restraint is indulgence. It's actually an indulgence of the propensity to forego. That means you are willing to forego. It's a discipline where you are willing to let go. You, 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 you restrain yourself by letting go of many things. And we actually looked at many biblical verses 
where the Lord is saying we are called to deny, deny ourselves. Restraint is a discipline. And then finally, truthful is another discipline that we are called to be truthful even when it hurts. Tell the truth even when it hurts. And Susie Kasim says, being truthful is the new beautiful. Being truthful is the new beautiful. If we will indeed be beautiful in this last days, we must be people who are truthful, who always speak the truth. Not in this age of so much compromise with truth, so much conservation with truth. We must be people who stand for truth, who speak truth. Now we will focus on the topic for today. And um, the topic is the spiritual discipline for the last days. And this is part three. As always, I have an acronym for each one. And the acronym for today is the word sect. The acronym for today is the word sect. Sect is S-E-C-T, sect. And it stands for service, endurance, community, and transparency. Service, endurance, community, and transparency. Please, if you are following me till now in the chat room, for those who can, would you just write in the chat room, Christianity is a godly sect. Christianity is a godly sect. Now, I know many people fear the word sect because it gives the notion of something evil, something negative. But a sect is simply a group of people who abide by, who live by, who agree to follow a unique set of conduct and practice. So we, as children of God, as pilgrims, we are actually a godly sect. And we must not be afraid of saying that we are not in the negative sense, but in the positive sense. The early church, they were considered a sect of the Nazarene. They were looked at as a sect that followed this man from Nazareth because their behaviors were different, their actions, their attitudes, their motivations were so different from everybody around that they were considered a sect. I know many of you listening to me will still struggle with that word sect, but that's okay. 
this is just my personal conviction that there are many words that have been abused, but the word is not bad in itself just because it has been abused. So we are a sect of pilgrims on a journey. And as a sect, there are four things we are looking at. We have looked at the first four in the spiritual disciplines, part one. We looked at five in the spiritual disciplines, part two. Now we are looking at another four. Now, this is not even comprehensive because there's another four that I have not been able to bring into this teaching because of time. I want to make sure there's enough time to unpackage each one of them. So rather than deal with eight in one session, we are dealing with just four in service, endurance, community, and transformation. What is the vision? Why do we even have this whole discourse on the um, spiritual disciplines? Why? It's because we have one vision. As children of God, as saints of God, as pilgrims, we have only one vision. And that vision is incarnational living. The vision behind the spiritual disciplines is that we incarnate Christ. So whatever we are doing, we want to incarnate him. When we preach the gospel, it's part of incarnational living. When we do missions, it's part of incarnational living. Whatever we do must be part of a bigger vision, which is to incarnate Christ. That is, Christ breathes on me. Christ lives in me. Christ lives through me. Christ manifests fully himself through me. We may call it many big words like discipleship and all that, but the summary is that we want to be a people that the Holy Spirit has such a free flow. And when we walk through the earth, people see the fullness, the manifestation, the demonstration of Jesus. I am a restless pilgrim, and the cry of my heart is that I will never find rest until I am fully incarnating the living Christ. May I never find rest. May I never find peace. May I never find joy until I am growing from grace to grace measure to measure of the image of Christ himself, walking in the fullness of his humility, walking in the fullness of his power, walking in the fullness of his love. How can I celebrate 
when my life contradicts the very life of Jesus, there is a travesty today, and that is ministers being able to do ministry. In fact, ministers being able to do ministry successfully without incarnating Jesus. That is a travesty of truth. I see Jesus recoil at any form of ministry, any form of Christianity that is not embodying the incarnate Christ, that is not manifesting the incarnate Christ. If you are with me and you have this vision, like I have this vision, wherever you are, would you say, yes, Lord, I want your full incarnation in me. You can type it in the chat group. Yes, Lord, I want your full incarnate life in me. Yes, Lord, I don't want ministry without the incarnational life of Jesus in me. If you are with me, kindly echo that wherever you are or type that in the chat room, that together we may be on the same page, that our vision is one. Yes, Lord, I want your full incarnational life in me. Yes, Lord, I don't want ministry. I don't want success. I don't want breakthrough. I don't want anything in this life. If it does not come with the incarnate life of Jesus Christ. So we study the disciplines because we are given foundations that will manifest the incarnate life. Discipline number one today is the discipline of service the spiritual discipline of service. What is service? Why is service a spiritual discipline? Why do we even consider service important at all? We grow spiritually through serving, not just by being served. One way to measure growth is how we are growing in serving other people. You know, if my heart and my life has not enlarged to the point where I stop looking only at me and I begin to look at others, if my life has not grown to see service, as a major index to measure success, then I am still very immature in my walk with God. Those who are growing spiritually are those who are growing through service. Like a physical muscle in the body, spiritual gifts must be exercised and practiced in service and through service and ministry 
must be practiced in service and through service to stay healthy. What am I saying, dear brothers and sisters, leaders? I want to say that whatever we don't exercise in the body gradually begins to disintegrate, begin to go backwards. We begin to lose the use of any muscle in the body that is not being practiced. In the same way, if we are not practicing service, more and more, we will lose the desire, the capacity, the ability to serve. What is the major root for service? It is in being like Christ. It is in being like Christ. So within me, Christ was so full of compassion. And so within me, the Christ in me must be so full in me that he pushes me to serve. He pushes me to give. He pushes me to nurture others. He pushes me to be a blessing to the community. The major attitude needed for service is compassion and generosity. We must be people that look out and we want to bless, we want to help, we want to love, we want to touch our world. A life that is not serving others is a life that is already dead. Anything that has life serves, blesses, and touches others. The greatest and desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. I repeat this quote. It's a quote by my mentor in the spiritual life, Richard Foster. He says, the desperate need today is not for a greater need or greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. That means we don't need more intelligent people or more gifted people. What we need are more deep people. What we need are more people who are passionate to live the incarnational life. Therefore, Foster says again, he says, therefore, the spiritual authority of Jesus is an authority not found in a position or a title, but in a towel. I repeat, the spiritual authority of Jesus is an authority not found in a position or in a title, but in a tower. You know, we live in a generation where positions are so important, titles are so important, and in fact, people are competing for more and more titles. People are competing for more and more position. People are competing 
for more and more acknowledgement in the public. Unfortunately, in the church, there's so much competition as well. There's so much competition for title, so much competition for position. But Jesus is not calling us into titles and positions. He's calling us to serve. He's calling us to serve. May we follow in the footsteps of Jesus. May our authority come in the towel. Our willingness to serve others. Acts chapter 20 verse 35. American Standard Version says, It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Romans chapter 12, verse 7, the World English Bible, let us give ourselves to service. Let us give ourselves to service. Brethren, I am not in any way boasting because I am a pilgrim on a journey. But I want to say that one of my greatest excitements in life is when I have the opportunity to bless someone. When I have the opportunity to open the door for someone to find rest. When I have an opportunity to lift up someone, to make someone, you know, enter a place of joy. Oh, the, the way it tingles my spirit. You know, service should not be about coming to preach from the pulpit, say, I am serving. Any service that, first of all, promotes yourself is not the kind of service we're talking about. The best type of service is actually secret service. That's why, you know, in many governments, there's what they call the secret service. You know, it's an intelligence arm of government. They are performing an amazing duty for their country, but usually you don't see them. You just feel the difference. You see what they have done, but you don't see them. They are with you. They are around you, but you don't know who they are. Jesus says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Let your service be done in secret. Let us be a people who are looking for opportunity to serve. In the church, look for opportunity to serve. In the ministry, look for opportunity to serve. In the public sphere, in your office, in the, you know, look for opportunity to serve. You know, in the airport, you know, you see a woman struggling to carry her bag. Look for opportunity to go help. You know, there's an excitement in me. I cannot explain it. If I see someone carrying load and I help them carry the load, there's such a joy in my spirit. If I see someone struggling with a financial need and I'm able to bless that person, there's such a joy in my spirit. Why? Because that is the way Jesus rejoices within you. 
whenever you can do a service to someone without the person serving you back, wow, the heavens rejoice. The spirit of God within you leaps because that is the life of Christ, always seeking ways to give. Now, unfortunately, we live in a self-centered generation where the focus is more of receiving, receiving, receiving. And that's why we come to church because all our thoughts is we want to receive, receive from the man of God, receive from the pastor, receive from the denomination, always receiving, receiving. Proverbs says that there is one who gives much and increases. And there's one who holds back and tended to poverty. There are men who are poor because we are constantly receiving, receiving. We're not giving. The secret of my blessing or the blessedness of my life comes in the giving and your life as well. As we give, looking for more opportunity to serve. That verse says, let us give ourselves to service. Let us give ourselves to service. Romans 12, verse 7. Mark 10, 45. For even as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I know you know the scriptures already, but I am just sharing a cry in my heart that one of the most important spiritual disciplines is to walk in the steps of Jesus, looking for ways to serve, looking for ways to serve. Oh, may God help us to serve, following in the steps of Jesus. If you are with me, would you say an amen to that? That God will help us to serve. God will help us to serve. Mm. Oh, Lord, deliver me from a selfish spirit. Mm. Deliver me from a selfish spirit, for that was not the spirit of Christ. That was not the spirit of Christ. He was all about serving people. He was all about serving people. Please, if that is your prayer, would you want to just write in the chat room, Lord, teach me how to serve my world. If you are able to say it, lift your voice and say, Lord, teach me how to serve. Teach me how to be like you. Teach me how to serve. May the Lord make you and I people who serve in the name of the Lord Jesus. Walking in the footsteps of the master Jesus. Walking in the footsteps of the master Jesus. Lord, teach me what it means to serve. Lord, teach me what it means to serve. Another scripture is what we see on the screen. If you are following me from 1 Peter, 1 Peter 
He says, use your God-given gifts to serve others. Use your God-given gifts to serve others. Each one of us have a gift. We all have gifts. Each one of us, we have gifts. And we need to use our gifts to serve. Someone else is a singer. Use your gift to serve. Someone else is a, a rich person by the grace of God. He has finances. Use your wealth to serve. Use your voice. You are one who encourages people. Use your words to serve. Every one of us must be willing to serve. Every one of us must use our talents to serve. Don't use your gifts for self-glory. Use your gifts to serve. Amen? Use your gifts to serve. Use your gifts to bless. So that is the discipline number one for today, service. And for those of you who just joined us, we said that we are looking at four spiritual disciplines, and the first is service. The second is endurance. Endurance is the discipline we must cultivate in these days. In these last days, we must be among those who don't give up easily. Too many people have become weak. And you see that in the many complaints, a lot of complaints. Every small thing, people are complaining. We are complaining, always complaining. There's no endurance. And that's why it's hard. This is another discipline. Uh, I won't want to deal with it now. Maybe in another session, we can look at this. It's called the discipline of submission. You know, we find it hard to submit to our leaders because we think they must be perfect before we can submit to them. But it is endurance. Sometimes you need to live in an environment that is not palatable, that you don't enjoy. You may have a leader who is not a very enjoyable leader, but you endure. Life is all about endurance. And as pilgrims, as saints of God, we must develop stamina. You see, sometimes we think of stamina just like you know, like in praying for long hours or, you know, fasting for long hours. Yes, yes, we need stamina to pray long. Yes, we need stamina to read the Bible. Yes, we need stamina to preach. But the endurance that I'm really referring to is not the endurance in spiritual ministry. It is the endurance in life situation. Many marriages are breaking up because the couples cannot endure difficulties. They cannot endure each other. Many friendships are breaking up because we cannot endure one another. 
And so you find a brother who can pray all night and speak in tongues for hours. You can find a brother who reads the Bible conscientiously, yet he cannot endure resistance from an evil person. Even from a brother or sister in church, we cannot endure. We complain and complain. This sister is not this. This brother is not that. This country is not this. The church is not that. The spiritual discipline we must cultivate is endurance. And honestly, this comes with measures of stamina. So you cannot talk of endurance without talking about building stamina. Stamina is the ability to endure. So when you see these long distant runners, one way you know a long distant runner is the stamina he has built over time to endure. Endure hardship, the Bible says. Endure hardship like a good soldier of God, of the cross. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 and 36. Permit me to read that. Hebrews 10, 35 to 36. It says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. I could preach a whole message on this verse. He says, don't cast away your confidence because things are coming against you. The economy is hard. The system of the world is coming against you. Your marriage are, is facing difficulty. Your business is going the wrong way. Your health is failing you. Don't cast away your confidence. Don't cast away your confidence. Pastor Muyuwa wrote in the chat room, Lord, help me endure when it doesn't make sense to me, especially difficult people. It is hard to still have your confidence when you are facing adversity, when you are surrounded by difficult people, when you have a difficult wife or a difficult husband. It is hard. But the Bible says, don't cast away your confidence. Why? It says, because there is a reward for this. There is a reward, brothers and sisters. Oh, I am a man who suffers so much. There's a, there's a suffering. Sometimes it comes from the sinfulness of people around you. But you must endure. We must suffer hardship through endurance. He says, you need endurance so that after you have done the will of God, we need endurance to do the will of God. It's a spiritual discipline. We cultivate it. It doesn't come from heaven suddenly. Guam. No. You develop this. You build stamina. You endure people from stage to stage. 
in this Christian faith, the Bible says, after we have endured doing the will of God, we will receive the promise. Hallelujah. I don't want to lose the promise stored for me. I don't want to lose the promise stored for me because I could not endure. Your faith, if you can see my screen, says your faith brings out endurance, steadfastness, and patience. Your faith brings out endurance, steadfastness, and patience. Oh, may we learn to grow in faith so that we can grow in endurance, so that we can grow in patience, so we can grow in steadfastness. Can I ask you to please write in the chat room if you're with me or just voice it out loud. Lord, grow my faith. Grow my faith so I can grow in endurance. Grow my faith. So I can grow in endurance. Grow my faith so I can grow in endurance. Brethren, when we say grow my faith, so I can grow. Many times we are thinking, grow my faith so I can receive a miracle. Grow my faith so I can receive a blessing. Grow my faith so I can receive financial breakthrough. Grow my faith so I can get this or get that. But the truth is that we need faith to grow in endurance. We need faith to grow in endurance. Without faith, you cannot grow in steadfastness. You cannot grow in patience. We cannot grow in endurance. Lord, grow our faith. So that when the evil man comes around us, grow our faith. So when our spouse or our boss comes against us in a very ungodly way, that we can be patient. Oh, we can be patient. We can be steadfast. We can endure. Lord, grow our faith. Lord, grow our faith in the name of the Lord Jesus. We shall be praying for each of these things later on. I will ask my co-hosts to always please remember there are people in the waiting room and you can let them in, please. The next spiritual discipline is the discipline of community. As you can see on my screen, such diversity of people. You have tall, you have short, you have fat, you have slim, you have black, you have white, you have brown. The diversity that is how this world is. We must build community. We must build community. A spiritual discipline is the discipline to remain in the community. Hebrew chapter 10, verse 24 to 25. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 25 says, let us consider 
how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. What does this mean? We are in the end times. We are in the last days. And one of the things that are critical, critical in these last days is to stay connected together. We need to stay connected together. We need to make sure that we are reaching out to the left and to the right and we are touching people. Make sure when you stretch your hand, you are touching someone. When you stretch your hand, you are touching someone. Many people live in such a way that they do not touch anyone and no one touches them. One of the disciplines we studied earlier on in uh, part two, the discipline of aloneness, this is the flip side. There's a difference between aloneness and loneliness. I think I explained this before, but let me repeat it again. The discipline of aloneness means that you know when to be alone and you develop times to be alone in solitude with God. But you don't remain perpetually alone. Somebody who remains perpetually alone is actually lonesome. And that is loneliness. We live in a world, part of modernization, part of development of society is more and more people are living without community. More and more people don't feel they need other people. Particularly in developed countries like in Western Europe, in North America, more and more it is a lonesome world. There's no community. Even in churches, you can be in a church of a hundred people and you are lonely because no one is reaching you. No one is asking after you. No one is checking on you. That's why Christians can commit suicide because they are carrying loads and loads of stuff. And I'll deal with this later on. Somebody was telling me how he moved into an apartment building in the United Arab Emirates. Of course, the UAE is also a symbol of modernization. And part of that symbol of modernization is everybody stays by themselves. Don't ask me questions. I don't ask you questions. So he moved into this apartment building. I don't know how many floors, 20 stories. 10 stories, these tall skyscraper buildings. And he was so excited, he went and knocked on the door of his neighbor and he said, hello. And a man opened the door and looked at him and said, yes. He said, hi. And the man says, yes. He said, I am your new neighbor. And the man looked at him and said, 
So, so what? He said, well, I, um, 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 I, um, I want to say hi. I... And the man says, hi, and closed his door. What that means is, the man was wondering, what on earth are you doing on my doorstep? One of the things we must not lose as Africans and as an African church, we must not lose community. We must not lose community. I speak as a leader. One of the things I'm always trying to do as I build my teams is to build community. We need to visit one another. It takes extra work to visit. We need to call up one another. It takes extra work to call up people. And you know, sometimes because of the modernization, people are not even very open to visits or calls. People begin to think that you are trespassing when you begin to visit them and they are wondering, why are you visiting me? Why are you calling me? Is there a problem? Do you need something? And you say, well, I don't need anything. I just want to be close to you. And people are beginning to think that is weird. That is not normal. Brethren, a spiritual discipline is to work to remain in community. The Bible says we need to keep meeting together. But some people have stopped doing this. It says we need to keep meeting together, not giving up the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, which means it has become a habit that people don't meet together. It's become a habit. We come to church, we dress all pretty, wear our suits, wear our tie, we wear our beautiful dresses and our high heel shoes, put on our makeup, we come to church, sing, 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 and we go. But we are not visiting, we're not connecting, we're not asking after one another. A spiritual discipline for the last days is to remain connected. And I want to say that social media is good, but is also bad. Social media brings a level of connectivity, or you know, you can be in 50 WhatsApp groups and be lonely. You know, you can have 1,000 friends on your Facebook page, or you are lonely. And you are chatting with people on WhatsApp, but you are lonely. Many of you know that my wife um, lost her younger brother, Hussein, who was martyred in northern Nigeria. He was killed by Fulani Islamists less than a month ago. They shot him in cold blood. And my wife is a private person. She likes her space. She's very quiet. She's not so much into crowds. But she was so comforted, so encouraged. You know, we heard the news. I was in Abuja when the news came. I took a first flight down to Lagos. My wife was in the house wailing. I sent a message to, you know, the senior pastor. I sent a message to Pastor Fabian, our center pastor. And I was so blessed. 
we were so blessed. That same day, a bus full of people came. People came from the church. People came from headquarters. People came from Capro. People came from everywhere. The phone was ringing nonstop. That is community. That is community. And I want to say that I am so glad I belong to a living community. And I am asking the Lord, please make me a good member of the community so that when others also mourn and when others struggle, the Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. That is community. It's a discipline. It's not convenient many times. Ah, when I saw Pastor Taiwo Bamudu and her team come all the way from the headquarters church, we were so amazed. You came all the way just to check up on us. But well, that is community. That is love. May the Lord give us grace to constantly build community. Each one, this is from the Salvation Army, each one should use whatever gift God has given as received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Again, this is tying back to what we just studied, isn't it? Service, you know, we need to be willing to give to the community, touch people in the community, stretch your hands and bless people in the community. Don't be alone. Carol Quigley says, a community is made up of intimate relationships among diversified types of individuals. A kingship group, a local group, a neighborhood, a village, a large family. In the estate where I live, people know me. As I walk on the street, people greet me, pastor. People come and say, pray for me. You know, it is community in the estate. Don't just be part of the community in the church. Be part of the community in your office. Be part of the community in your neighborhood. The neighborhood formed like, you know, we had a problem and we needed people to go around to be part of like a vigilante, to go out in the middle of the night from 12 midnight to about 3 a.m just to patrol the streets. I signed up because it's part of community. The estate was looking for a chairman of the board of trustees for the estate. They requested me to come. I had to decline. Then they asked me to be chairman of the executive committee of the estate. I had to decline. Why? Because I know my responsibility takes me away from the country very often. I know I'm not always in one place, but I was touched that my neighborhood would ask me to be a member of the board of trustees, that my neighborhood will ask me to chair the executive committee of the estate. Please don't just be a member of your church community where you are only thinking of church, church, church. You see, there are people in this estate who may be leaders in their church 
pastors in their church, ministers of the gospel. They are faithful to the night vigils. They are faithful to the Bible study. They are faithful to choir practice. But in their neighborhood, they are not part of the community. They are not part of the community. We must be part of our community. It's a discipline, starting with the church, yes, but be part of even the larger family, the extended family. Do people know us in the extended family? Do people acknowledge us in the extended family? We must be part of community. The greatness of a community is most accurately measured by the compassionate actions of its members. Please, can you just say this or write it in the chat room? I will be a passionate member of my community. Can you write it down somewhere? Can you echo it? Can you raise your voice and say, in the name of Jesus, I will be a passionate member of my community. I will be a passionate member of my community. I will be a passionate member of my community. Please write it out in the chat room. And wherever you are, you can just echo that. Be a passionate member of your family. Be a passionate member of your clan. Be a passionate member of your workspace. Be a passionate member of your office. Be a passionate member on your street. Be a passionate member in your estate. Be a passionate member of your old boys group or old girls group or some social group. Be a passionate member of the community. Don't be someone who is only known in church. Brethren, salt remaining in the salt jar with other salt members, they are not changing society. We can only change society when as salt, we get into society. Join the Rotrack Club or Rotary Club. You know, join your local association. Join your umunna, if you know what I mean. Be part of something in your village. When you go to the village, they welcome you. Ah, our son has come. Of course, because we are very spiritual people, uh, I think some of you may think that uh, Dr. Chinedu has backslidden. Uh, I can imagine some of you looking at me and saying, do I have time for my umuna? Do I have time for my village community? Do I have time for my estate association? I am too busy in the ministry of the church. I don't have time for my society. If that is our confession, then we are not walking in the steps of Jesus. For Jesus was known in the community. Jesus was loved in the community. And those that hated him, they hated him in the community. May we be people in the community, members of the community, passionately engaged in the community. Finally, the last discipline we are looking at today is the discipline of transparency. The discipline of transparency. 
That is having a transparent life. This is connected to community as well. You see, many of us are ashamed of who we are. Many of us, we hide who we really are. And we don't really open up. We don't say who we are. So there's a lot of pretense. There's a lot of makeup. There's a lot of make-believe. <laughs> I know somebody who beats his wife and at the same time preaches in church. How can you do that? There's a lot of, of, of you know, hiding in the body of Christ. So much hiding. So much hiding. But may we develop what I call the transparent life. You know, the Bible says in James 5.16, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Brethren, do you know that there's a healing we will never enter into until we confess to someone? Until we tell somebody, brother, I don't know, I'm struggling with my wife. Brother, I'm struggling with this thing. I'm struggling with that thing. Look at me. This is who I am. Of course, you don't confess to everybody. You choose who you confess to. You choose who you share your life with. But we must confess to one another. Transparency brings healing. Transparency brings healing. We must open our hearts and say, this is my struggle. I have a brother. And this brother works all the way in New Zealand. And he is Malaysian, living in New Zealand. But every Tuesday morning, 7 a.m., every Tuesday morning, we meet together on Zoom. We confess to one another. We share our burdens. We pray for one another. It is so, so refreshing. So refreshing. And we challenge one another. We talk about the deep things of our hearts to one another. I have another brother here in Lagos that we also meet to talk and to pray together. He says, confess to one another, pray for one another that you may be healed. There's a healing that does not come with general confession. Like you just say to the brethren, pray for me that grace will come to my life. That is not what we're talking about. Everybody needs grace. Just before this meeting, I got off a Zoom call with a Christian leader in Egypt. He has a ministry where he, he's serving about 3,500 people, I think every month. A wonderful ministry. And I asked him, how can I pray with you? And he opened his heart and he just poured out his heart. He says, pray for this, pray for this. These are real issues. Two days ago, yesterday, I was on another call with a Christian leader in Yemen. 
And as we talked, I asked, how can I pray with you? And he says, pray for my wife. She has cancer. You know, he is in Yemen. The Christian community in Yemen is underground. He doesn't have people he can share his heart with, his life with. And I promised him and I said, brother, I will be praying for you. I will be praying for your wife. Yemen is a country that if they know that you are a Christian, they will kill you for being a Christian. So who can this man talk with and find healing? Yet many of us listening to me today, you are in a community where you can share your heart freely, and yet we don't share our hearts. Many times we hide. Oh, may we practice the transparent life in the name of Jesus. Before I move on, let me say that if you are married and your wife is a child of God or your husband is a child of God, be transparent with your spouse. Be transparent with your spouse. On my website, there are 10 principles for a successful marriage. And you will see that on the website, 10 audios. But audio number one is this issue of be naked, be transparent before your spouse. Many men and women are not transparent before one another. Even as married couple, there's a lot of hiding. I think I mentioned this before. I went to speak at a conference, the Christian Association of Nigeria, one of their national youth conference in Abuja. And they bought my ticket. I landed in Abuja. They took me to a hotel, put me into a room. And as I entered the room, you know, I was speaking the next day. So I just dropped my bag and I put on the, uh, the television to listen to the news. And as I put on the TV to listen to the news, what came up on the screen was pornography. Pornography, real pornography. Terrible, terrible. I was so shaken. I was so stunned. I felt my soul, my spirit defiled, corrupted. But the first person I needed to reach out to was my wife. I said to my wife, my dear wife, I have been defiled. I listened to something unclean. I watched something unclean. My wife, pray for me. Pray that I will be cleansed. We need, brethren, we need to confess to one another. We need to confess to one another, starting with your spouse. And my wife prayed for me over the phone that I will be healed. When I went to the conference the next day, before the crowd of hundreds of people, before I preached, I confessed to the crowd and I said, yesterday night, when I landed in Abuja, I was defiled. Because I watched something I should not have watched. I did not go looking for it. I did not plan for it. I did not know it was on the television. But still, I was defiled. Pray for me before I preach this message that God will heal me. Brethren, 
it looks like a weakness to be transparent, but healing comes through transparency. When you see people who are repeatedly falling into the same sins, when you see people who cannot have victory in their lives, it is partly because they don't have people they can be transparent with. God, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, God, who made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. In the face of Jesus Christ, God shines his light. God is transparent with us by allowing us to see the brightness of his countenance in the person of Jesus Christ. And in the same way, he now shines that light into our hearts in the face of Jesus Christ. And he expects us to live a light of a life of light in the community of God's people. No hiding, brothers. No hiding. Can I ask you to please type in the chat room or make a confession of faith? Lord, help me to be transparent. Help me to live a transparent life. Help me to be transparent. Oh God, in the light of the glory of the face of Jesus Christ, help me not to be ashamed to be transparent. Help me to speak the truth about where I am. Listen to me, friends. I tell people I struggle. Oh, I struggle about many things. I struggle about my quiet time. I struggle with my prayer life. I struggle to be a good husband. I struggle to be a good mentor. I struggle with many things in life, friends. But you know what has helped me? Is I don't hide my struggles. If I'm struggling with anything, the first person that knows is my wife. If I struggle with anything, I have a group of elders, which includes the general overseer. I, I, I share my heart. I say, what do you think? This is what I'm facing. I have what I call the 10-point my 10 life priorities, my 10 life priorities. And those 10 life priorities, I am sharing them with a small group of people, people who I trust, people who are like elders over my life, people who are like peer accountability partners and people who are mentoring. I share them and I say, these are my life priorities. Hold me accountable. Hold me accountable to each of these 10 things. Ask me hard questions about each of these things. That is the transparent life. Brethren, do we have people we are accountable to? Brethren, do we have people we can be transparent with? One way to go far is to make sure you are touching someone and someone is touching you. 
make sure you are touching someone and someone is touching you. Be transparent. Saying too much, please write down this quote, it's very important. Saying too much can complicate things. But in this short life, not saying enough is much worse. I repeat, and I hope you can write this down somewhere. Saying too much can complicate things, which means don't go around and tell everybody everything about your life. It would complicate things. But in this short life that we have, not saying enough is much worse. That means when you don't say enough, it is worse than saying too much. Many people don't say enough. Many people bottle things in. Many people hide things. So you are struggling with your spouse, but you hide things. Nobody knows. You are struggling with your finances, but you hide things nobody knows. In your team, you are struggling, but nobody knows. In your church, you are struggling, but nobody knows. That is a terrible way to live life. Germany Kent said this, very important quote again. You can write this down by Germany Kent. He says, be transparent. Let's build a community that allows hard questions and honest conversations so we can stir up transformation in one another. Look at those three things. Hard questions, honest conversations, transformation. They are connected. Any community that has hard conversations with each other and honest conversations with each other, this will stir transformation in the community. So if you are part of an executive committee, allow people to talk. Allow people to talk as being a leader in so many you know, teams where I have led, my leadership style is to allow people to talk. Let people disagree with me. I, it's okay to disagree. I don't have a monopoly of knowledge and wisdom. Let people talk in your team. Let people talk in your family. Let people talk. In the church, let people talk. Let people talk. Any community that builds or that allows hard questions and allows honest conversation, that community will grow in transformation. Of course, I must say that the hard questions and the honest conversations must be in love. If it's not in love, then it will destroy rather than build. But if everyone is committed to speaking in love, the Bible says, speak the truth in love. 
So we can ask hard questions in love. If I see a brother talking to a sister in a place that I am not comfortable with, I will ask the hard questions. Why are you talking to this sister? Close, close Zoom. I will ask the hard question. If I look at your phone and I see a picture as your screensaver of a girl who is not properly dressed, I will ask you a hard question. Who is this girl? Is she your wife? Is she your girlfriend? Who is this person? And so, please, I want to encourage us. Ask hard questions. Encourage honest conversations. In conclusion, my time is almost up. In conclusion, I want to say this. Where I started before. The spiritual disciplines are only useful because we want to live incarnationally. The only reason why we are looking at these things is we want to live a way that somebody looks at you and says, this man is like Jesus. You want to live in the church, in the community, on the mission field, in your office, in the neighborhood, in the car. You want to live in such a way that people say, wow, you are different. Wow, wow, you are different. For that reason, we need to build these disciplines. Today, the acronym was SECT. And if you can remember what it means, you can type it in the chat room. What does the S stand for? Service. The S stands for service. We must be people who serve other people. We must be people who are generous. We must be people who are compassionate in helping other people. The E stands for what? Endurance. And we said endurance means building the stamina, not just for spiritual things, building the stamina to endure hardship, to face difficult situations like Jesus did. Jesus was a man of service. Jesus was a man who endured. The C stands for what? Community. Jesus lived in the community. So much so that anyone who came close, you may not know the difference between Jesus and the disciples. He was so much like them. He was a man in the community. He was known for being part of his world. He ate with his world. He drank with his people. He visited. He went from house to house. When we moved into the estate where we are, one of the first things we did was start visiting the neighbors one by one. And I knocked on the door of my neighbor and he said, yes, can I help you? I said, I am your new neighbor. This is my wife and this is me. Can I come in? The person was shocked. So he opened the door. We came in. We did not sit down. We just said, we want to introduce ourselves. This is who we are. This is what we do. And do you mind if we pray for you? They were so shocked. 
he just knelt down before me and lifted up their hands and I prayed for them. It just touched me that that made me immediately connect with this family. They don't know me, but because I reached out, reach out to your community. My neighbor, another neighbor was having a traditional wedding. They came and said, you must come. We're inviting other people, but we want you to come. And so I was the only person with my wife who was there inside their living room while this was going on. And at the end, asked me to bless the community. Be part of the community. Be part of your community. And finally, T is transparency. Let's not be hiding. No more hiding. The days of hiding are over. The days of the one-man superhero is over. We all need one another. T, transparency. I need you. You need me. Like that song says, we are one big happy family. I don't know all the words, but that song always touches me. I need you. You need me. We are part of God's family. You know, we are part of God's family. And if you know the words of that song, would you want to please uh, type it in the chat room for us? I, I really love that song. You can type it and we can sing it maybe later on. In conclusion, without the practice of these Christian disciplines, we will remain stranded in our world of nothingness and shallowness, being conquered by ourselves and by the world around us. Let me read that again. Without the practice of these Christian disciplines, we will remain stranded in our world of nothingness, shallowness, and being conquered by ourselves and by the world around us. May the Lord help us grow in these four disciplines in the name of the Lord Jesus. Will you permit me to say a word of prayer? And then if there's time, we can take some question and answer. But let me just say a short word of prayer for myself and for every one of us. Father, thank you for giving us opportunity to learn from you, Jesus. Oh, to learn from you, Jesus. Oh, to learn from you, Jesus. Lord, in the beginning, your children, your followers, Jesus, were called the sect, the sect of the Nazarene. May we indeed not be afraid to call ourselves the sect of the Nazarene, the people of the Nazarene, the people who model the life of the Nazarene, the people who demonstrate the character the personality and the power of the, of the Nazarene. Help us to be people in our world who incarnate you, Lord. And may we demonstrate this first of all through an active life of service, an active life of endurance, an active life in our community 
and a transparent life. Oh Lord, like that song says, may we be all part of this God's family, God's body. I need you, you need me. Stand with me, agree with me, for we are part of God's body. Thank you for giving us this opportunity to study together. Lord, we pray that the things we have learned today will add value to our pilgrimage and our service. And let all the glory be to you and to you alone. In Jesus' wonderful name, we pray. Can the people of God please say amen? Amen.